0: This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at altizen.com, A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Sekan Toto from Kantan Games on the three events which impact the mobile gaming market from Japan to the rest of the world. We discuss the progress of Nintendo's new mobile games, the upcoming LINE IPO, and why SoftBank is divesting their game portfolio. Hi Sekan. Hello Bernard. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine, how are things
0: over there? I am very busy because I'm going to be in the US very soon, but right. I needed to talk to you because there's a lot of things going on in Japan, and who am I talking to? The famous Sekantoto, Toto, CEO of Kantan Games Japan, and he is always being mentioned in new york times TechCrunch, and many other publications regarding the gaming in japan so second how have you been
1: pretty good pretty busy in the last couple of months without uh, you know several projects in the gaming space but it has been okay so i'm not complaining i
0: wanted to start off asking you about the state of mobile gaming in japan mm-hmm. how is the mobile gaming scene moving in japan since we last spoke
1: Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, last time that we spoke, there was a big trend of uh, consolidation in the market, uh, that certain game makers are going together uh, to develop games, certain game uh, makers also go bankrupt, or they uh, get uh, pushed out of the market, and that the overall competitiveness in the market is just increasing. And I would say uh, that over the last couple of months, uh, that just intensified. But we still have that duopoly in Japan, where you have two big mobile games, one is uh, Monster Strike, and to a somewhat lesser, lesser extent now, uh puzzle uh, puzzle dragons uh, completely controlling this uh, 7 8 billion dollar uh, market
0: in the last couple of months is there any update with regards to Nintendo's continued foray in mobile gaming
1: Yes. I mean, Mitomo has now, the, that's the name of the first application that Nintendo has released. That application is now out and rolling. Last time they updated, they had uh, t- 10 million uh, downloads for that. It's a social app. It's a communications app. It's probably closer to 20 million downloads right now. That's not the big paying card that everybody was expecting from Nintendo. The general user base uh, and the investors and the public are expecting from Nintendo our games. The next two applications are actually going to be games. One is called Fire Emblem, uh, which is a strategy game. The other one is called Animal Crossing, which is a, a farming simulation. Both games have been confirmed for a worldwide release this fall. So in other words, we have to wait uh, you know, for a few more months until these two games actually become available. So when
0: these two games become available, they will be available in both iOS and Android is that's that correct. the
1: case yes that's correct yeah do they live inside
0: the mitomo ecosystem
1: no they will be disconnected i mean they will be separate downloads uh, there might be some connections to the uh, to the mitomo application for example you know that you, you you might be able to use your avatar that you have that you have set up inside inside Miitomo to represent yourself inside both of these games, but game game wise, you know, function wise, these two games will be separated from uh, Mitomo. They will they will be also separate downloads.
0: How about the game Pokemon Go, which is actually done by Niantic Labs separately? I think Niantic Labs is well known for their other game called Ingress, which is worked with Google, right?
1: that's correct Yeah, so Niantic labs is basically a google spin-off or alphabet spin-off you have to say now so, so they have uh, you know separated themselves from google to a large extent google is still an investor nintendo is an investor the pokemon company is another investor and so what these guys are doing now uh, they are uh, developing a gps-based and ar-based augmented reality-based mobile version of pokemon they are currently better testing the game still better testing the game here in japan and they have now expanded uh, the beta testing, you know, regions to the United States. And just yesterday, they actually expanded uh, the beta test uh, population for a second time. Um, I wanted so to ask,
0: do you have yeah. a beta test?
1: I was, uh, you know, it's location-based. So they only gave it to, to people in Japan. So I'm, I am in Japan. I live in Japan. But I wasn't one of the lucky ones. But I have a friend who was, and I was able to test the game through his account.
0: So was it fun to play the hey, I, Pokemon yeah, Go?
1: So- yeah, I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty innovative game. You know, they're mixing several technologies together, which are not really that easy to crack, especially in a gaming context. I think it, it's coming together pretty well. So the first version that I played was not really compelling. Niantic Labs, so the very first beta test was just limited to the Japanese market. And again, just limited to, I think, a few thousand people here. Niantic Labs basically totally screwed up that beta test because the, the test population wasn't even able to open the application. They were able to download the app to their Android phones. It's Android only until now, to so their Android phones, but they were not actually able to access the game for, I think it was a couple of days. And then, you know, uh, they, they removed that bug and then, you know, people started playing and then the graphics were absolutely over, uh, underwhelming. Uh, this was, I think, two months ago or something like that. And now the game is, I would say, from a production value standpoint, almost uh, ready for release. So they, the, they quite significantly beefed up the, the graphical p- performance of that game. It's looking pretty good now.
0: So given games like Pokemon Go, which actually leverage on the AR kind of technology, have you foresee any kind of new business models, or concept that arises from mobile gaming in Japan?
1: Yeah, so the interesting thing is that, you know, this kind of like mix between not only A- AR, but there have been actually games that have o- already mixed AR with G- GPS in Japan. Of course, on smartphones. So people have been trying that for a couple of years, but I think that the technology had to mature or the the handsets as well had to mature. And also the, you know, the user base itself had to mature to a point where people actually understand the concept better. You know, the devices actually produce, you know, AR-based and GPS-based content, especially AR-based content, of course, in a better way. Pokemon Go is, is a bad example because it's been basically, you know, the brainchild, at least not the, maybe not the brainchild because the Pokemon company also co developing that game. But the, the company that's being held responsible for the development of the game is a US company. So Niantic Labs is uh, based in, in the Bay Area. In terms of innovation from Japan, I think at least in the last couple of months, I would say it's more of the same. So I'm not seeing any kind of like super dramatic innovations at the moment.
0: And you don't see any new business models. I mean, I mean, the last two days, uh, Apple just made a lot of very interesting announcements about yeah. their App Store changes. Yeah. So maybe to sort of help my audience a little bit, you can you talk about what Apple just did to the ecosystem with the 85% to 15% change for, I think, publishers in the App Store with subscription?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, so basically what Apple has been doing there is, is something that, you know, the game industry or, you know, s- some, some people in the game industry have been asking for a long, long time. And that was making subscriptions easier to implement for games. And that opens up a new business model where you don't charge the user upfront for, in the case of premium applications, $2, $3, $5 for a game. Or you don't charge them via a microtransaction over an extended period of time, but you just uh, give them, uh, you know, an all-you-can-eat buffet for fixed subscription fee. Usually, Apple takes 30% all of these, you know, revenue of fixed fees. They get 30% for the premium apps, for the pre- tra- microtransactions. You know, they pocket 30% for t- every time microtransaction is being performed inside an iOS application. Google is the very, very, uh, it's exactly the same for, for the Android applications, by the way. This is actually pretty significant because this 30% rule is almost wholly uh, in the world of apps and games. Basically, like the gold standard for a lot of uh, application platform d- uh, providers, at least in the West, and for the first year of a subscription, Apple will, will basically keep that 30% revenue share where but, but they take 30%. But they say, you know, look, you know, the app developer or game developer, if you're able to retain users o- over a year, we are just that second year on, we will just charge you 15% instead of uh,
0: 30%. This is probably the narrative that Apple is now going to be very serious about the services business, given that their smartphone sales are actually declining for the first time. And we still do not know whether it's structural or actually just because of the refresh rate of the iPhone 6 as well.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And, you know, I think that that if you look at the App Store, you know, all of these ecosystems, in my personal opinion, they are hopelessly, hopelessly overripe for an overhaul. So I was like waiting for new innovation coming from, from Apple or, you know, at least new ideas coming from Apple for a long, long time. So this has nothing to do with Japan or game developers uh, alone. This is a bigger problem for a lot of app developers, getting visibility, seeing Apple a little bit more uh, flexible for, uh, in terms of revenue, in, in terms of revenue share. This is good news.
0: And and I thought it was so timely that I got you on the show to talk about this because the news only just broke. So there's another right. very important right. big news that, that I wanted to speak to you about. There's Rivika regards to the app line the famous messaging app it's planning to go to IPO they have currently have 250 million monthly active user with our of $5.10 versus Twitter which is $7.27 and Facebook $11.27 that's based on global numbers right I think the first question I wanted to raise something about 10 billion for their IPO the first question I wanted to ask you is why did line attempt a dual listing in Japan and U.S.?
1: Yeah, I think that the targeted market cap for, for line is a little bit, is a little bit smaller. So I think that they were trying to raise money in that, or, you know, to reach a market capitalization in the ballpark that you mentioned one or two years ago. Since then, the problem is that, you know, line's growth, not in terms of revenue, but in terms of users has been flat. So I think that the IPO is now expected to value line at more like 5 billion US dollars instead of 10 billion. They had to, you know, reduce the expectations. So the dual listing is to get more visibility in the United States. makes like trading the line shares much, much easier for America-based investors or for investors who have easier to become active in the stock market in the United States.
0: How are they going to demonstrate growth? Is it just by revenue or by new products? I mean, the question for me is, what's their growth story going to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the growth in users of LINE's application in the recent quarters, the last five quarters, of the growth, quote-unquote, that LINE had in terms of uh, users has basically been statistical, right? So they basically grew from 205 million to 215 million or something like that. For an application like uh, that has scaled to an extent like LINE, if you have added uh, 10 million new subscribers in five quarters or not, it doesn't really the needle a- anymore, right? So I would say that, that LINE, in my personal opinion, is and will stay contained In Asia for the next couple of years. Basically, to use a big word, uh, forever. I don't think that Lime will ever make a splash in key markets outside Asia. So I think that, in other words, growth for Lime would say forget it. I would say that what Lime has to try to do, and this is something that they are trying to do, is skim uh, the existing user base better than than they have now doing until now.
0: Sure. So what you're saying is that they're going to increase the revenue per user for more than $5.10, basically. And actually, I also have looked at certain, I've been following a couple of users online and even for the their largest market outside Japan, which is Thailand, is also starting to be skimmed off by the new Facebook Messenger app. Mm. So the question is that, do you think that line will eventually end up like what happened to Mixi in yes. the early days for social networking?
1: That's absolutely correct. This is what I personally expect. I mean, I hate to say it. You know, LINE is basically like a Japanese product. I know, you know, they have, a, of course, they have a Korean parent company, but it's basically like a Japanese success story. So as a Japan resident, uh, I would prefer to, to see LINE w- winning over the next couple of years. But I think that what you have hinted at will probably happen at some point in the future. At the moment, LINE is very strong. You know, LINE has become a household name. Everybody's using it. It has basically killed mobile email as the primary one-to-one social, uh, social communication form in Japan in a matter of years. in, in two, three years, they basically completely killed that paradigm, uh, that people are, you know, exchanging email addresses and then, you know, comp- communicating via mobile email with each other. This has been the case for Japan in Japan for till line came like for a decade or something like that. So I've been doing it the first time I came to Japan in 2000. I had a, a mobile phone with a specific uh, mobile email address it, uh, attached to it. Line completely killed that. I personally think that there's a high chance for Facebook to do, to line what these guys have been doing to uh, Mixi a couple of years ago. And Mixi is, you know, the, uh, Japan's mm-hmm. biggest homegrown real identity social network. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I was in Japan already when, when you know, people sa- said, including myself, by the way, when people said, you know, Mixi is a Japanese company, Facebook doesn't understand Japan, social is a part of culture, an American company will never understand this, they will completely fail, Mixi is unbeatable, and then Facebook destroyed Mixi in Two to three years, and
0: that also speaks with the narrative of something like Kakao Talk as well. I think if I'm not wrong, the number of monthly active users is about half of Line, and Line is mm-hmm. about one third of what WeChat has reached. I think WeChat, mm-hmm. WeChat is reaching no, sorry, one quarter of what WeChat WeChat is reaching 800 <laughs> million yeah. monthly active users. Mm-hmm. So, I guess where do you see the major revenue drivers for Line? I mean, what's Line's impact to the mobile gaming market?
1: Yeah, mobile gaming is, is basically the largest contributor to sales for Line. They've been trying a lot of things, you know, they've been trying in the last couple of years, you know, to, uh, to, to become an actual platform. I would say that if you look at the results, Line is still very much about the usual chatting application, you know, the core element of the application and about games. They have a few other things that are working okay, like manga and uh, news. You know, their news application is doing okay, and they have a few other things that are doing fine. But in terms of revenue, you know, games are still, after all of these years, they opened the game platform in 2012, the biggest uh, contributor in terms of revenue.
0: I think LINE also does a lot of what I call the online to offline space. If you visit Japan, you see all the QR codes everywhere and then you use the LINE app to scan it. And in fact, in Singapore, most of the shopping malls now also have LINE QR codes as well. They deal with the local telcos. So do you see transaction service also being part of their revenue drivers? Because they have something called LINE Pay as well. Would they have that kind of integration happen for them?
1: Yes, they have a mobile payment solution. They rolled out a couple of months ago. I personally think that, you know, the, the problem for Line is that all of these things that they have been trying, you know, mobile commerce, mobile payments, and any kind of uh, new layers that they tried to set up on top of games and, you know, the other existing platform elements, all of these things, in the case of the Japanese market, they've been already solved and served to clients for years and years. There are many e-commerce applications here. You know, Line has tried tapping into the C2C, into the flea market application business. They failed with that. Mobile payments is just another sh- such example. There's there's already too many uh, mobile payment uh, providers in Japan already when LINE launched. It's just unfortunate for LINE that they've been created in an already extremely mature mobile market. In China, you know, WeChat, they had a much, much easier, quote-unquote, market to conquer because a lot of these uh, businesses that Tencent has entered with uh, WeChat in China have either not yet existed in China or they were not not yet mature so they basically used their market dominance to push through these these services line has problems replicating that strategy because especially on the, on the Japanese market i'm not so sure about singapore but on the japanese market you know mobile payments that's a very very old topic you know that excites absolutely nobody here anymore
0: is this going to be the biggest tech ipo of the year
1: yeah, if you look at the numbers, it would have been a great, really spectacular IPO if if they did it one or two years ago with that, you know, a rumored uh, ten billion IPO. But I would say that uh, five billion, six billion, you know, the the targeted uh, market cap at the moment is still pretty big.
0: So should we be bullish or bearish about the IPO then?
1: Yes, Line is uh, basically starting a roadshow now, right? I mean, they are, you know, set to be starting roadshow and trying to convince investors. I personally would say that in the next few years, Line is still safe. I think that after three, four, five years, there's a certain chance that what happened to Mixi will also happen with Line. And I think that the same thing is true with KakaoTalk in Korea. I would be very, very surprised if both of these services can defend themselves over the next 10 years, five years against Facebook and other dominant messenger services. Maybe bullish in the short term, but my personal opinion, I would be bearish in the long run.
0: That comes to another interesting conversation because we are on the conversation on mobile games. I wanted to talk about another company in Japan, which mm-hmm. I know you and I liked, which is SoftBank. Yeah. And recently, they have been doing a couple of very interesting things again. They are divesting their assets in the gaming industry. That's correct. They are trying to sell away some of their assets in Gungho, who's known for parcels and Dragons, and Supercell, who is known for Clash of Clans to Tencent. And they have already divested recently their stake in Alibaba for... About I think the reported number is US 8.9 billion to the range yeah. of about 10 billion. I mean it's acquired by a few major players, includes Alibaba themselves, the two big sovereign wealth funds of Singapore, Temasek and, and Government Investment Corporation, otherwise known as GIC. The yeah. question for me is, what's going on?
1: Um, yes, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, SoftBank uh, has a lot of uh, you know things on its plate. They're not saying it publicly. So that's the short answer. Nobody really knows what their strategy is based on publicly shared information. So they have confirmed that they are selling 90% of their existing uh, shares in Gangho, which is operating, you know, uh, one of Japan's biggest uh, mobile games, you know, one of the two that I just uh, spoke of a couple of minutes ago. And so that company is at the moment valued at $3 billion U.S. billion, and they have roughly 28% of that company, they want to uh, sell 90% of that stake. And that sums up to, I think it's at the moment, 690 million US dollars. So SoftBank wants to get their hands on that cash. And apparently Gung Ho wants to buy back that stake that they sold to SoftBank a couple of years ago. Supercell, at this point in time, it's a rumor. I personally think there's a high probability that SoftBank is trying to load off Supercell as well. So Supercell is, at the moment, the Nintendo of mobile. So they're absolutely the biggest name in mobile games worldwide. It would make sense for a Chinese company like, for example, Tencent to acquire them. People are saying, you know, various things. So what I've been hearing over and over again is that SoftBank needs money to fix Sprint in the United States, for example.
0: So it's trying to also reduce their debt and or raising money for Sprint, for example, in the US, or maybe trying to again acquire another mobile company to merge with Sprint to be the third largest telco.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, people are like now seeing the first signs of, uh, so I'm not a telco expert by any means, but, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I've been reading that uh, analysts and, you know, certain people are seeing, you know, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for Sprint, and they might need uh, the money to accelerate that process to improve performance by Sprint. But again, uh, SoftBank is not really sharing public information with regards to their goals.
0: And I think just by divesting the assets of Gangho and Supercell, are they actually already done with all their gaming portfolio companies?
1: Yeah. So these are the biggest fish, right? Uh, Gangho and Supercell are top 10 biggest names, maybe even top five biggest names in mobile games in the world. So, and you know, SoftBank has been clever. So Gangho has, you know, just recently, just, uh, I think it was last week, uh, they announced that they opened pre-registrations for Puzzle and Dragons in China. And as a reaction, Gangho's stock went, uh, shot up 30, 35% in a matter of two or three days. You know, one day after that, SoftBank announced that (laughs) that they're selling uh, their stake in Gangho. Very, very clever. Uh, Supercell had just added another big, you know, hit title. Pretty impressive roster of hit titles with the Clash Royale, a strategy game, and they now operate uh, three, four, like a pretty, pretty well performing games. It's basically the only serial hit hit developer on the planet in terms of mobile games. So they were they were very, very clever for, for both companies. But they do have stake uh, in other game companies, but they just pale when you compare them with Gangho and Supercell.
0: I can understand the rationale to sell Supercell to Tencent because Tencent has been actually, their focus now is to try to also corner the gaming market, at least for China,
1: yeah.
0: because, because that's their highest revenue drivers. right? And a couple of media outlets have talked about that. I think their upcoming strategy for the next year is actually trying to get more into the gaming revenue. So right. buying Supercell is quite sensible for what Tencent is doing. But I guess the, the question is always the price, right? So it's a question of is SoftBank going to do it now or do it later and then right. basically divesting it out.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, for SoftBank, so I was surprised by everybody else. But, but having said that, because they just uh, this company just launched another worldwide hit with that uh, said application, Clash Royale. And that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, my point is that they should be trying to unload Supercell um, right now. Because it might take even a company like Supercell, again, as I mentioned, you know, it's one of the very, very few serial hit developers that we have in mobile games worldwide. Even for Supercell, it might take uh, maybe one or two years until they come up with the next hit. And who knows what what will happen by then? You know, by then, Nintendo might have entered the market and, you know, completely crushed everybody else or like nobody really knows. I think that uh, now is a very, very good time from a strategic perspective uh, to unload Supercell. But again, nothing nothing has been confirmed.
0: So, Sakan, what excites you these days in the Japanese mobile gaming market then?
1: Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I would say that it's still anticipation for what uh, Nintendo is going to do. So, you know, yesterday, I made a count of, so I checked the top 100 grossing on iOS in Japan, the top 100 grossing applications, and there were nine of the top 100 grossing applications were from a company called Square Enix. And this is a, uh, this is a traditional video game maker, just like Nintendo. Uh, that has been you know doing uh, games for dedicated uh, uh, gaming devices for decades and decades and these guys have you know successfully shifted to mobile over the neck over the last uh, one to two years they struggled at first a long time but then you know last one to two years these these guys are pumping out one uh, one hit app after the other uh, what i was thinking to myself is you know nintendo has not really yet you know uh, pushed out a mobile game but i think when they do there's little reason to believe that uh, Nintendo will be uh, you know uh, less successful uh, than one of their competitors in the, in the console field or in the bu- in the boxed games business if you will like Square Enix I was just thinking that to myself uh, yesterday I personally think that there's a chance that you know in two, 2 to 3 years when we have an interview like that Nintendo might have 15 20 um, you know highly successful mobile apps in, in the top uh, 100 grossing uh, ranking not only in in, uh, in Japan but also worldwide and uh, this is what I uh, w- this is what I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for uh, Nintendo to basically go into the mobile gaming space, which I personally see as a little bit um, in terms of excitement pale now. So it's, you know, it's still same old, same old. It's still the same big uh, companies up there. It's still, you know, the big companies are getting bigger. It's getting increasingly difficult for the small companies to, to get into that market. And Nintendo might shake up that market, you know, a lot when they eventually enter it.
0: So, so can help my audience. How did they find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly active on uh, Twitter when I have the time, you know, to update my status. So uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Sarkan Toto. Or you can also add me on LinkedIn, especially when you're a member of, of the game industry. So uh, just uh, please uh, visit, uh, uh, feel free to visit my uh, profile and just add me there.
0: You can find me at com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia at A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Google Play. Once again, Serkan, many thanks for coming on the show.
1: Sure. Anytime again.